Our world is lost in unnecessary fear and hurt. Our systems seem scientifically engineered to make you small, powerless, and always waiting for the next great leader who will fix the problems around us. Worse, we're witnessing neighbor versus neighbor while warfare breaks out around our family tables. But you have access to a spirit, a strength that enlarges and empowers you. Even better, you don't need to wait for the next big movement. You can heal the world. It's time for governance by Grace. Welcome to Gracearchy with Jim Babka. Jim, you know how you see a good movie and you sit down for coffee with a buddy and you say, hey, Jim, you got to see this movie and you start talking about it? Yes. I want to be able to say that right now because I saw a really great movie and it's going to be the subject of this entire episode. But my enthusiasm for it has gone really deep. And uh, it's about freedom and liberty. And it's about a real life guy right now who is living uh, his, his, living his liberty in jail for a really good reason. And um, oh my gosh, everybody needs to see this movie. It's called The Hong Konger. Yeah, featuring Jimmy Lai. Featuring Jimmy Lai. And, yeah. you know, speaking of seeing this movie, I've seen it three times, including participating in a screening in Sacramento where I was the moderator uh, for... Uh, and, and master of ceremonies uh, that night. It is very emotionally compelling. It moved me the very first time I saw it. I, the the scene, I have a special scene that really like kind of drove home the value yeah. of what it was that he was doing. Yeah. And so we want to explore that today. In fact, we're going to have two people we're going to talk to today. Uh, we're going to talk first to Eric Cohn with the Axton Institute, who was one of the producers of the Hong Konger. And then we're going to go to uh, Justin Armand, who is the executive director of a brand new service, the Advocates for Self-Government is doing, ASG.stream. The movie's available right now, folks. You can go watch it. It's called The Hong Konger and other great stuff's on that platform as well. We're going to talk to both men in this uh, in this brief episode. But, I, you know, I think I want to start here. I want to get everybody that's watching interested in the film itself. And we have a trailer. We have a clip for people to uh, digest this. Yeah, it's compelling. This is the uh, theatrical trailer, if you will. We want to show it to you. If you'll indulge us, it's about two minutes and uh, 45 seconds long, and then we'll get right into the podcast with, with Eric and with Justin. The future, which is unknown and uncertain, is still unknown for me, but it's certain. Freedom was a very short journey for me. He came as basically a refugee from China when he was a teenager. I was put in the bottom of the fishing trunk. And by the afternoon, we arrived in Hong Kong. And the same night, I was taken to a factory to work as a worker. Well, we eat and sleep in a factory. He was so poor, not highly educated. It was a very happy time. It was a time that I know I had a future. For a Chinese, that's like going from Kansas in black and white to Oz, where everything seems like it's possible. As long as you wanted to work, you could make it in Hong Kong. But British gave us all the institutions of freedom. Freedom of speech, rule of law, poverty rights, freedom of assembly, and let our resourcefulness flourish. They went from an incredibly poor city to a metropolis. So I start a very small factory. He's a classic entrepreneur. And then I went into retaining. Giordano was this huge brand. If I just 
go on making money doesn't mean anything to me. If I go into the media business, I deliver choice, and choice is freedom. Apple Daily played a very important role in Hong Kong's pro-democracy movement. We've never had a territory of 7.5 million people who have lived and breathed the basic freedom, having that taken away from them. means determination, fearlessness, the belief in human rights. Mr. Lai insisted on marching in front where the authorities could see him. I've been arrested three times. The Hong Kong police raided the Apple Daily compound. It's very likely that, you know, I will have to go to prison. He chose to stay in Hong Kong. Their house is firebombed. All I have, this place gave me. I watched this man willingly give up the life of a billionaire to become a dissident. This is a time for sacrifice. Even if they kill me, I will have to fight to the last day. He's probably the most famous newspaper man now jailed in the world. I owe freedom my life. Eric, you are your title at Acton Institute is well, director of marketing and communications. And how did you end up in that role? I've been familiar with Acton since 2010. I went to a luncheon in Chicago where Father Robert Sirico, one of the co-founders, was speaking. And as a cradle Catholic, I had never heard a Catholic priest talk about things that I cared about so deeply, like the ideas of liberty and free markets and economics. Uh, and it was just kind of blew my mind. So come fast forward to about 10 years later, and there's this opportunity at Acton, and it was just uh, too good to pass up, no matter how much I loved the work I was doing at the time. This was just too good of an opportunity not to jump at. Very good. And before we get into the film, tell us about the Acton Institute, please. The Acton Institute for the Study of Religion and Liberty was founded in 1990 by uh, Father Sirico and uh, Chris Maurin. Um, we, our mission is, uh, to promote a free and virtuous society characterized by individual liberty and sustained by religious principles. So if you're familiar with the, uh, nonprofit world, there's a lot of organizations out there that, uh, talk about the importance of human freedom and free markets. Uh, there are organizations out there that talk about the importance of faith and virtue. Uh, and we really are the only organization out there, I think, that combines the two of them and really underscores how important virtue is in civic life and in the market. Uh, so that's our main mission is to drive that point home and to connect the dots for people on why the two of them need to go together. Very good. And you guys have a big event coming up because you and I are going to see each other in a few weeks. That's right. Acton University. It's our big flagship conference. Happens every June here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, where we're headquartered. Uh, it's four days of some really incredible speakers. Uh, the plenary dinners. We've got a great lineup this year. Father Sirico is speaking. Uh, Yonmi Park, the uh, North Korea uh, exile dissident. Um, Bishop Robert Barron and Marvin Alasky, who uh, has done some great work writing about uh, poverty in America. So very excited for the lineup this year and uh, looking forward to seeing you too, Jim. Yes, on the beaches of Grand Rapids, right? Exactly, right on the <laughs> river. <laughs> okay, we're here though to talk about Jimmy Lai. And I, I, wanna, I, I do want to get into the film, but where I'd like to start here is I'd like to talk about Jimmy himself. So 
give us Jimmy's background uh, up to the point of the current calamity or situation we're discussing right now. Who is Jimmy Lai? Uh, what was he up to and doing? What you know, in previous. Jimmy's story starts when he's a, a stowaway on a boat leaving mainland China, going to Hong Kong. Um, is this great story that we tell in the film about how he's working to make a little bit of money at a train station. And a man tipped him by giving him a bar of chocolate. And, you know, growing up in mainland China during the Cultural Revolution, never had anything like that before and wanted to know, like, where are you from? Where can I find this? The answer was Hong Kong. So he shows up in Hong Kong at 12, 13, starts working in a factory. And that's where his entrepreneurial spirit really uh, shows itself. He ends up building uh, a business that is uh, Giordano, which is a clothing company, um, hugely successful in Asia. Uh, he ends up getting chased out of that company by the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, it had spread through mainland China. It was available. Uh, the Giordano was available in, in mainland China. And uh, they forced him out because he had been critical of what had uh, happened at Tiananmen Square, uh, which, of course, the anniversary of that uh, coming up in just a few days as we're talking yeah, we're, right now. We're literally, as this is going out, as people are able to see this, it's coming out on the anniversary of Tank Man, basically. Yep, exactly. So uh, he gets forced out of his company because Jimmy decided, I'm not going to stay silent about this. Uh, so he starts a media company called Next Media that publishes Next Magazine and a newspaper called Apple Daily, which was one of the largest circulation newspapers in Hong Kong. Uh, the editorial page was in favor of democracy and human rights. Uh, it is Chinese language. It was a really important uh, journalistic entity that existed in Hong Kong. Um, once the handover of Hong Kong happens from the United Kingdom to China in 1997, uh, China starts very slowly and then very quickly backing away from the agreement that they made that granted Hong Kong autonomy. And uh, Jimmy was one of the people that got caught in the crosshairs as well as Apple Daily. And uh, he was he's currently sitting in a prison cell awaiting his third trial. This trial will be on charges relating to Hong Kong's national security law, which was created and passed at the behest of the Chinese Communist Party. And really, for people who care about the idea of the rule of law, this thing is one of the biggest abominations to the concept of the rule of law that I have ever seen. It applied, it, one, it's written so broadly that almost anything that you could do could be considered sedition or subversion if they wanted it to be. Um, the warnings that the uh, Hong Kong government has given about the Tiananmen Square anniversary have basically kind of been, you know, we're not telling you not to have a vigil or mourn it in any way, but yeah. you know, you should really be aware of that national security law. You know, the, right. the, it's, it, the implication is pretty clear on their part. Um, it's also, it applies retroactively. So things that were said or done before the law was passed can be, the law can be applied against them. Uh, and the one that really should, I think should blow people's minds um, because well, I'll, I'll explain why in a second here. It applies extra nationally. You don't have to be a citizen of Hong Kong. You don't have to live in Hong Kong. You don't have to even be in the area to be in violation of the law. Every single day, sitting here in Grand Rapids, Michigan, talking about Jimmy Lai's case, talking about the film that we made, I'm in daily violation of Hong Kong's national security law. And, Telling people about And we story. are too. Right, yep, Bill, exactly. did you know right you're now. signing up for this? Right now, and I, I invite more people to join me in violating Hong Kong's national security law by watching the film and telling people about the truth 
about Jimmy Lai, about Tiananmen Square, about what is happening in Hong Kong. Uh, join us in violating the national security law in Hong Kong. All right, let's go, let's go back and set just a little bit of context now. Uh, I want people to understand because uh, my exposure to uh, Hong Kong and the, the way I think about it is Milton Friedman did a very famous series called Free to Choose. And in that series, he has a segment where he goes to Hong Kong. So, you know, the war, World War II is over. Hong Kong's basically a rock. I mean, it's not it's it's not a place you would grow grow anything. Uh, it has no you know natural advantage in that sense. Right. But it be, because people were free and because they were able to go there and be free, it booms. It just bursts. And he stands there in 1979. He's filming the segment, uh, Eric, and the background of it, it looks like it's made tremendous progress. But if you compare the picture that is behind Milton Friedman in 1979 to where it was in 2019, I mean, the level of progress that occurred in that time was yet a whole other level that you, it's, it's just, it's an incredibly beautiful city. Like it's amazing what they've been able to accomplish there. And so this was because they were uh, part of the, uh, they were part of the, the English empire, the British empire um, until 1997. So first off, let's talk just for a second about China itself. China has a different story that is separate from Hong Kong. What's been going on in China leading up to 1997? So you had had liberalization uh, from a market perspective in China going on for a while, uh, really under Deng Xiaoping. It is one of the great stories of our modern world that millions and millions of people were lifted out of poverty thanks to uh, increasing market openness in China. Uh, what a lot of us had hoped would also simultaneously happen there is that the market liberalization would lead to political liberalization as well. Sadly, that is, as people can see now, is not the case. In fact, if anything, China has gotten more authoritarian over time, um, less like it was under Deng Xiaoping and really more like it was under Chairman Mao. Uh, you know, no, um, no genocide to the point of what we saw under Mao, at least not yet. Although certainly if you ask the Uyghur population, they would have some thoughts on that. Mm -hmm. um, but it is it, it is not panned out the way that I think a lot of people hoped. And uh, it's it's even sad to me to see some people who kind of look at I'm glad you brought up Milton Friedman and free to choose because you know that's my first exposure to Hong Kong really as well as this is the platonic idea of what a market yep. society looks like. Yep. Um, and then you compare that to, to China who begins to embrace that market liberalization. Um, and it really takes a special kind of character that you can only find, I think, really in the West, who looks at what happens in China over that period of time and then concludes, by God, it must have been the totalitarianism. Um, it, <laughs> yeah. No, it was the market openness that lifted yep. millions of people out of poverty. And it was what made Hong Kong into the bustling, booming city that it was, even though they didn't really have pure political freedom uh, as well. They were still a part of the British Empire. Um, so it's, there's a complicated history there, but certainly you can see the difference between Hong Kong and China pretty clearly. But that liberalization is starting pretty much after the Tiananmen Square. Maybe it's a little bit of it's in place at that point. And this is another mainland event that's very, very important to all Chinese people. So uh, this is the anniversary that we're celebrating. Tank Man's a big part of that story. Uh, what should people know? I, you know, I literally, I was talking to somebody today who is in their late 30s. And this is late enough for most people that they don't remember these events. Like to Bill and I, these, we remember that we, we watched it on television. Mm -hmm. So what should people know about Tiananmen Square? This was a 
organic young people's protest movement that started in 1989. Um, we talk about Tiananmen Square and what you mentioned with Tank Man, that iconic image of this man whose identity we do not know, who is standing in front of this column of tanks uh, that are coming in to clear out the square, uh, whose identity we almost certainly never will know. Um, this was not just happening in Beijing. This was happening all over China, and it was really frightening the Chinese Communist Party. You know that there's uh, people I've talked to do advocate for the idea that the uh, Chinese Communist Party is as frightened of the people as the people are frightened of the CCP. This is a perfect example of it. So they come in with just brutal force, crack down on this protest movement that is advocating for democracy for human rights in China, for uh, getting away from the Communist Party, communist system that China had been under since uh, essentially the end of World War II. Um, and it is just a brutal slaughter and massacre of innocent people in uh, the capital of China. And it's something that needs to be remembered for the bravery and the courage that the people there showed uh, and the ones who gave their lives for this cause of human freedom that China is now so committed to making sure that nobody knows about, nobody remembers. Just as with Jimmy Lai, why it's so important to say his name, to talk about political dissidents, to talk about what happened at Tiananmen Square. A anything that makes the Chinese Communist Party unhappy like that is something you probably do want to do. Okay. So we're going to switch to that here in a second. The transfer of Hong Kong, uh, there's a catchphrase for how this was supposed to go down. One country, two systems. This is a mantra of Deng Xiaoping, uh, that this was how it was going to be arranged, that you would have China and you would have Hong Kong. They would be unified as one country, but you would have these two systems operating this, uh, what was in China at the time communism, quote unquote, but what was really turning into state capitalism that I think we see now, and then this free market system that existed in Hong Kong. Almost immediately after the handover in 1997, they start breaking the agreement in different ways. And we really see this manifest itself in the 2010s, uh, where you have first this proposed extradition law that doesn't end up becoming law, but would have sent people charged with crimes or convicted of crimes to either be tried or serve time on the mainland. Uh, and as one of the people in our film points out, you know, if, if you're supposed to be this great city of commerce and finance, if you get in some kind of a business dispute, do you really want to be shipped up to Beijing to adjudicate that? Well, of, of course not. So that's uh, one of the times where the, you start to see them or they really are backing away from it, that the protest and the reaction to the proposal of that extradition law the so-called umbrella movement. Uh, that is what brought about in, in 2019 the national security law. And that's what's being used to persecute not just Jimmy Lai, but numerous other political activists and dissidents uh, in Hong Kong and to try to bring that city to heel. And, and sadly, we have to say they've been pretty effective in doing that. I'm going to cover how that happened, but I do want to say we're talking to Eric Cohn of the Acton Institute, one of the producers of the movie The Hong Konger, which is coming out on streaming on the anniversary of Tiananmen Square on ASG.stream. We'll have uh, Justin uh, Armand joining us in just a moment to talk about that. Eric, I, one of the things, though, that you, you just kind of reminded me of in watching the film is that you folks did a very, very good job of laying out the the kind of the timeline, showing how things were kind of sequentially building. So if people are having a little bit of trouble following the story, it's it's more methodically delivered and much more dramatically delivered with imagery and so forth. Uh, the name of the movie is a Hong Konger and they can check that out. So there's two really major 
uh, demonstrations that kind of hit the streets uh, during the, the second half of the teens, right? Uh, can you tell us a little bit about both of them? I think one of them is called the Umbrella Revolution. Can mm -hmm. you tell us a little bit more about these? Yeah, this is, uh, again, in reaction to China's attempts to crack down on the city. And again, it's important to remember, uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, that the people of Hong Kong really didn't have, they weren't enfranchised. You know, there, there was local representation, but they really weren't empowered and enfranchised in the same way that, say, uh, citizens in the United States are. Um, I heard from uh, actually Jim that the screening that um, uh, you guys have put together for us out in Sacramento, Samuel Chu, who is one of the panelists, I, this is the first time I heard him say this, and it has stuck with me ever since, that Hong Kongers have this kind of half joke, that Hong Kong has only ever existed for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And that was the 30 seconds in between when the Union Jack flag came down and the Chinese flag went up. The people that got left out of this conversation were Hong Kongers, which is why protest is such an important part of the culture of the city of Hong Kong. This is the way that they exercise their voice and they make themselves heard. So it's first in objection to um, this proposed extradition bill. Uh, and then it is in reaction to the uh, passage of the national security law. Um, there's also, uh, we should note, always traditionally been a vigil in Victoria Park for Tiananmen Square. This has for a long time been uh, a thorn in the side of the Chinese Communist Party. And 2020 is the first year that it officially doesn't happen. And COVID-19 yeah. yeah, COVID is the excuse that is used to deny permits for the gathering in Victoria Park. And it was People's at a moment when they, to, to my understanding, they had momentum. Yeah, it, absolutely. It, just, it literally shows up at a moment where they're, they've they've got the Chinese Communist Party a bit on the ropes, honestly, and the whole world is watching what's happening. And, at, I, you know, at, help me with the numbers here, Eric. There's like seven, eight million people in Hong Kong uh, It's a little over 10. And I think three or four million had turned out for um, a lot of these protests at the peak of them, um, which is just remarkable. Again, and it, to put it in perspective, as you mentioned, Jim, this is not a big place. This is a city on a rock in the South China Sea. Um, so it's not even necessarily like getting, you know, a million people uh, out on the streets of Chicago where I used to live. This is really something incredible and uh, speaks to the spirit of the people of Hong Kong that they get out in force like this. But yeah, 2020 and the pandemic is the excuse that is used to deny the permits for the uh, candlelight vigil in Victoria Park. Uh, one does still happen. And a lot of those people, like Jimmy Lai, participated in it. And this is one of the other things that they have been legally charged with illegal assembly. Um, and another one of the ways that uh, China has been persecuting political dissidents in the city of Hong Kong since 1997, but in earnest since uh, the rise of the Umbrella Revolution. Uh, Eric, I don't want to ruin the movie. I want people to watch it on ASG.stream. But you've already revealed part of the plot and that is that Jimmy does get arrested. He has a business. Uh, what happened to the business? Just real simply. Cause I, I really do want them to catch it. To me, it was, that was the moment in the movie that, that got me personally uh, was that those scenes uh, what just real simply what happened to the business and then what happens to Jimmy next June of 2021, Apple Daily shuts its doors. It stops publishing. It publishes a final edition of the paper. Uh, and essentially at that point, they're out of money. 
Uh, the accounts for Apple Daily were frozen by the CCP. Jimmy Lai's personal bank accounts were also frozen. Uh, so they had no more money, no more ink, no more electricity left to be able to keep publishing the paper. Uh, prior to all of this, Jimmy himself is uh, arrested. He's arrested a couple of times. The final uh, time he's arrested is under the national security law charges. And he's currently sitting in prison right now. Uh, he has gone through two trials. Uh, the second one, the most recent, was for a very trumped up fraud charge. He was sentenced to 68 months in prison uh, for his conviction under that. And he is currently You're basically awaiting... at this point using these these smaller charges to, to deny him bail because yeah. he's legally entitled basically to still be out waiting trial. And and this charge, I, I don't even know how to begin it, ex explain how ridiculous this thing is. So he's the, the guy sets up, a, a, you know, he starts has cameras in his building and starts doing Internet streaming. And the Chinese government has decided that's a new business. So he was supposed to go back and refile his entire charter from scratch mm -hmm. as if he was starting a brand new company. And everybody recognizes like media's moved to this point. That's what yeah. he was, was media. So they invented this charge. Uh, and then they, in their own press, they called it fraud. They didn't even explain this. Like you had to go to somebody who knew him to kind of get the explanation for what was happening. This is, this is the heavy handed kind of like crap that they're doing uh, to him and to others. Uh, and they've taken his fortune away. Eric, I want to know, uh, you're involved in this experience. What's your role and what did it mean to you while the filming was going on? Like what, how, what is your, how do you feel about the entire process and what did you do? So uh, I'm a producer of the film. I helped design the marketing campaign for the film, as well as participated in review of the edits of the film and, and gave suggestions on that as well. Uh, I didn't know who Jimmy Lai was when I got to the Acton Institute in January of 2020. I'd never heard the name before. And through we'd interviewed him a couple of times in 2020 and uh, 2021 before he was arrested the final time. Um, and it was just it was just such a remarkable story to hear, you know, what this man is doing in Hong Kong. And then it, it's it's interesting how you can be involved in a process like this. And I've never met Jimmy. The odds are I will never get to meet him. But I do feel like I know him. You know, I, I got to know this person through his own comments, um, the interviews that we'd conducted with him at Acton in the past that make up a lot of the film. Uh, I, you know, I am so incredibly inspired by what he is able to do. And I, I use that word able because there's the part of the film that always gets me. There are a couple parts. And this is why I know that I like I just so believe in this project, because I've seen you asked me in Sacramento how many times I've seen the film and <laughs> over 100, maybe 200 to this point. I honestly don't know. And there are parts that still do emotionally get me. And mm -hmm. one of them is um, Lord Patton, who is the last uh, British colonial governor of Hong Kong, says of Jimmy at one point in the film that he's, quote, been incredibly principled and brave. And I wish I could think that I would have been as brave. And that lingers with me because you hear in his voice this recognition of, I don't think I could do what Jimmy is doing. And I don't think most of us would be nope. capable of doing what Jimmy is doing. You know, there I, you is. Know, Eric, I think that's one thing we haven't made completely 100% clear here. I mean, the reason the movie's been made about him is he put everything on the line and threw himself right directly in the middle of this. This, this man is a. 
this man's a billionaire. He uh, he could have gone to Taiwan. He could have gone to London. He could have come to the United States. He could have gotten out at any time. And he has this great line. Um, the the uh, Hoover Institute made uh, interview footage available to us where Peter Robinson asks him, when are you going to get out of Hong Kong? And he says, you know, I'm, I'm one of the troublemakers. I can't make the trouble and then yeah. go. Yeah. And the knowing what was going to befall him and yeah. choosing to stay anyway is, uh, you know, it, it is acting in a Christ-like way. He is picking up his cross and he is willing to bear it at the cost of his life and his freedom. And, you know, I you can't help but be deeply inspired by somebody who is so committed to an idea of what is right and just in this world that they are willing to give up everything for it. That's what spoke to me, Eric. Man, there's a there's a an interview with Jimmy Lai where he actually says, uh, I had to stop in the movie and write it down. Whenever I'm in crisis, I feel I'm going to be okay. I live in grace. Yes. You you wow. you see his his personal conviction. You know, Jimmy's a Catholic convert. Um, his faith is a huge motivating part of how and why he does what he does. You know, it it is just the simple idea of you, if you do the right thing, if you tell the truth and you do the right thing, you don't really have all that much to answer for. And he is a, an incredible example of the bravery that it takes to do that. And I what I hope people take away from the film is we can find those small areas of our own lives where it'd be very easy to not do the right thing uh, and take Jimmy's example and to do it anyway. Uh, the cost for us is almost certainly going to be far less than it is for Jimmy. And you have just this incredible example of a man who is willing to lose it all because he believes so fervently in the concept of human rights and human freedom, not just for the people of Hong Kong, but for the people of mainland China and all around the world. We actually have to go with one more question before we let you go. And that sure. is that you are trying to make sure this film is being seen. Uh, give everyone in this audience a sense of your strategy, uh, what you were trying to accomplish and where they fit into it before we go. Absolutely. So we uh, independently released the film because the most important thing to us was that people were able to access it, which is why we're so grateful to you for hosting the film as well. Uh, since we've released it, um, it's also available on YouTube. Uh, two and a half million people have already seen the film, um, which is just an incredible number and a very humbling uh, experience for all of us. Um, so we uh, People can learn more about the film. They can also learn more about uh, what's happening with Jimmy if they go to the website for the film, which is freejimmylai.com. Uh, J-I-M-M-Y-L-A-I -M -M -I is how you spell it, freejimmylai.com. Um, you can find out more about what you can do. If you want to host a screening of it privately yourself, we're happy to make that happen for you. Uh, you can stream it uh, now in multiple places. We're so grateful to, to you guys for uh, hosting the film and bringing it to the attention of more and more people. Thank you, Eric. That's Eric Cohn from the Acton Institute that put out the film The Hong Konger uh, by Jimmy Lai. I appreciate you joining us here today. Uh, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about how people can see this film, the new best, most exciting way to see this film. And full disclosure, I wear many, many hats in the course of my professional life. And one of them, I am the editor at large at the Advocates for Self-Government Film of the World's Smallest Political Quiz. Uh, that's what they're best known for, but they're beginning to make a break into a brand new area. Justin Armand joins us today. He is the executive director of the brand new ASG.stream, ASG.stream, which is an opportunity for people to get streaming video content. And they are hosting the Hong Konger 
uh, starting this weekend on the anniversary of Tiananmen Square, right, Justin? That's right. It's actually um, playing. If you're hearing this interview, you can go to ASG.stream and watch the, the film. You've watched the film, right? I watched it. And um, as much as I love the message, it's actually a genuinely good film. So there are many documentaries that hit on very important things that we should know about. But just as somebody who loves film, I, I'm often disappointed <laughs> when I watch documentaries because they're usually incredibly boring and low budget. They just look bad and it's hard to, you know, stay like motivated to watch it through the end. <clears throat> but I genuinely loved Hong Konger, the Hong Konger as a film in itself. And the fact that ASG Stream is afforded the opportunity to show the film during the, four, the 34th anniversary of the Tiananmen Square massacre is incredibly special. And um, I wanted to thank Eric Cohn and the Acton Institute for the opportunity to screen the film. So, Justin, it, this film's been available on t YouTube for a few weeks now, but uh, what is special about ASG Stream? Why should people check out the movie there instead? Well, <clears throat> it's, it's the common experience when you're watching anything on YouTube to be bombarded by ads. Um, it's, uh, I actually initially watched the Hong Konger on YouTube, and it was very frustrating to be hit with ads. And it seems like the ads get more aggressive as you go through the film because they can tell you have a more vested interest in the film itself. So at ASG.stream, you're able to watch films completely free and ad-free. So the watching experience is, to me, much more enjoyable than YouTube. And it's the highest quality, too. This is like any other service like Netflix or Hulu. This is an over-the-top video service now. That's right. I mean, it's the Netflix for liberty, if you will. You know, we're a donor-based streaming platform. So the reason why it's free is because of our, genuous, our generous donors and, um, and the advocates for self-government you know, putting up the money to make this initiative happen to get quality content out there in an enjoyable way. I mean, we have some original content too. We're working on that. But right now we're just trying to curate the best of the best out there um, to raise awareness and reinvigorate films that have been sitting for a while that didn't get their proper due. As a filmmaker, one of the hardest things is distribution of your film, getting it in front of as many eyes mm -hmm. as possible. The Hong Konger is remarkably fortunate uh, to have gone viral. Um, two and a half million views in just a few weeks is remarkable. And at the same time, you know, not everybody has that YouTube premium service. So it's like, we need to put our best foot forward. The streaming platform is currently working um, on app development with Roku and Fire Stick. And, and, um, and so soon you'll be able to watch the films that we screen um, on any smart TV. But right now you just go to ASG.stream and you can watch the films there. Or, um, we're in pre-launch right now. so. Our official launch is happening in July at Freedom Fest, but during our pre-launch strategy, we're screening a film at a time and putting a, a really like a significant marketing budget uh, to get the film's trailers seen by as many people as possible. So we just screened a film called Behind the Berlin Wall. It was really exciting because we got about 40,000 people just to watch the trailer. And right now we're doing a marketing effort for the Hong Konger and we're hitting about 15,000 people a day. And these people have a really strong affinity for human freedom. So it's, it's really a privilege to be able to serve the filmmakers uh, as well as offer um, our community a, a, a really enjoyable way to enjoy good film. As a longtime member of the Advocates, I'm curious, if I watch either the trailer or the film on ASG Stream, am I able to um, become part of the subject of the Chinese national security law? 
I think that if you're subject to the Chinese national security law, law and pissing off the Chinese Communist Party, you're, you're probably living a good life and doing something positive. But uh, we, as a streaming platform, would never share our user data with any third party, whether they're friendly or, or not friendly. We uh, respect privacy here at the Advocates for Self-Government. That's the answer I was looking for. Thank <laughs> First time I've attempted to do this, uh, hopefully I'm doing this correctly. You just go to ASG.stream, you just click free membership. And uh, right now we only have one membership level, which is just a free membership pass for everyone. Um, you can create an account in like less than a minute and start enjoying the films on our platform, all of them. After we launch at Freedom Fest, we are launching a pay it forward model for patrons of the streaming platform. So we can decentralize um, some community support for, for allowing this platform to exist. So those that can, can you know, be able to become patrons with a small monthly membership fee that will cover all the free membership passes. And we'll also have yearly sustaining members as well. Uh, but that's not, that doesn't exist yet. We wanna make sure we have enough content in the platform um, to justify um, a pay it forward model. Uh, but we'll launch that later. So everybody gets a totally free membership, uh, no catch. No credit card needed and there we are. Zero to get in and now I am also a subscriber at AHG Stream. And there's the movies coming right up and there's the Hong Konger on the left, which we are, are featuring here today. We wanna encourage you to come and check that out for all the reasons that were covered during the course of this interview. These, this interview. Uh, Justin, one more time, I want to just make sure everybody understands this pay it forward model, because, you know, this is kind of an opportunity for people who want to make sure that these films get broadly distributed. I mean, it really is difficult. It's incredibly difficult to get your movie out there. Most films uh, spend all of their budget and then some just to get made, and then they don't have the distribution that's necessary. And so we're looking to find those gems, get them out there to much wider audiences to reach parts of culture right now that we're not yet reaching with a message of liberty and freedom and self-government. So the pay it forward model, show how, one more time, explain how that's going to make a lot of difference in, in this outreach. Well, I have to credit the idea for that um, model with Angel Studios. I don't know if uh, your listeners have heard about Angel Studios, but they put out a, um, a series called The Chosen. And they really disrupted Hollywood in the sense that they, one outside of the typical way of producing and distributing a large film and went right to the people with it. And so you can watch um, their films um, and you can also pay to allow others to gift others the experience of watching those films. And it really works for obviously a series like The Chosen. Um, but because we share a common a commonality with the ideological idea of celebrating human freedom, it, it's not um, uh, religiously motivated, but anything that celebrates human freedom and character, we want to be able to inspire the world through film. And so the idea that people can come to our platform and join as a monthly um, supporter allows us to cover the bandwidth charges and the direct charges like promoting the trailers um, and uh, with the idea that we are a nonprofit. And so we're not booking profits. We're not trying to get rich doing this. It's ideologically driven and it's mission driven but it does represent a significant cost, uh, bandwidth cost to run a streaming platform and to run our apps and all of that. And so we have very generous donors um, 
got to put up the money to make this possible. But we really want the people to make this possible. There is uh, the idea of coming to market with something that the public genuinely will get behind. And so we are hoping to create an equilibrium structure where our expenses and income balance through the pay it forward model. Maybe I can make a suggestion to the audience on this. Uh, I went through quickly after I watched the movie. It took maybe five minutes to find all the companies that are, have a big presence in China, but have a base in, in the West. So like Starbucks and Tesla and all those people, it doesn't cost anything to take that Starbucks coffee that you would otherwise have enjoyed today and put that money on ASG stream to help us with the causes of democracy and freedom. Maybe it's just one cup, maybe it's a bunch, but think about that because it's important. It's, it's really important that we vote with our wallets right now. Yeah, and you know, some of those companies, Bill, uh, uh, sadly have chosen to hold back or even censor information. You know, the communications companies in particular on behalf of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Uh, so it, it's actually a good thing, uh, in both coming and going to, to, to maybe forego some of that stuff and help out the effort that we've got going on here. And so uh, one more time, uh, Justin, people can come to. Oh yeah, so you can go to ASG.stream. So instead of hitting .com, just put .stream. A lot of people get confused by that. Um, and then go to the site, play, create a free membership, watch ad free for free, always free. Uh, and in terms of censorship, you know, something that just happened, uh, we had an ad get rejected for violating community standards, just trying to promote the Hong Kongers film trailer. Anything that's there you go. of the CCP, you know, Facebook is going to have a problem with, and you can probably that's exactly right. You and, can probably understand why. And even harder on TikTok, not surprisingly, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, I heard they got some stuff banned, their channel banned, but I heard some of it's being reinstated, but TikTok is, is playing games. But I think uh, the Hong Konger has such a has such public support that it's going to be increasingly difficult to ban. Well, thank you very much, Justin, uh, for joining us here today. And we encourage everybody to check out ASG.stream. Thank you. Jim, I am so moved by listening to these guys talk. There is just no other issue right now that's as important as freedom in Hong Kong. And it might bleed over into Taiwan too. I know you've got some thoughts about this, but before we go, let me throw one more uh, pitch in for ASG.stream. So I didn't watch the movie on ASG.stream. I suffered through it on YouTube. People, it's so much easier if you can use a service like ASG.stream, the one, the one that Justin was talking about, to, to watch this movie, support the cause, and um, maybe even if you feel so moved to participate in the pay it forward that lets ASG.stream continue to do what it does. Okay, so I'm gonna get out of the way here, Jim, it's all yours. Take us out, man. Yeah, um, I think we can all agree that Jimmy Lai is a hero, pretty epic proportions. But I suspect that many people when they're done watching the Hong Konger will say something to the effect of Jimmy sacrificed his life to a cause greater than himself. We hear that a lot, that kind of thing a lot. And it's not quite right in this case. Jimmy Lai repaid a set of values that enabled him to flourish. You heard him, you will hear him in the film say that he owes freedom his life. Uh, for her, Jimmy, I believe this was an act of gratitude and an act of integrity. I owe freedom. Now, Hong Kong was a beacon for what was possible. And as I indicated at the beginning of the episode, I recall Milton Friedman on public television with Hong Kong in the background. And Friedman declared that island a miracle. And that was all the way back in 1979. But the miracle Friedman presented in his series, Free to Choose, was impoverished compared to where it was by the time of the Umbrella Revolution in 2014. 
In other words, with freedom, things only get better. Hong Kong was an idea, an ideal. Now, Jimmy wasn't, you'll, as you'll learn in the movie, wasn't able to thrive in mainland China. The heavy hand of the state was on him, his family, and his neighbors. And the ideas of the communists, just to be honest here, was wrong. But did Jimmy owe freedom? Was he right in saying that he owed freedom? Hong Kong was a place to thrive because the ideas were better. That spirit was in the millions who uh, made Hong Kong a thriving place of liberty and prosperity. That spirit was also in the millions who gathered and stood up to the Chinese communist government. So when you watch the film, you'll think very much about Hong Kong. It'll be very much on your mind and maybe even for a day or two after. And you might be motivated to pray for Jimmy's freedom and maybe even start to think about better ideas. So let me give you a better idea. In fact, let me give you a principle. Happiness, harmony, and prosperity will always decrease as persons experience the initiation of violence or theft. This is the principle of human respect. I use the word always because it works like a scientific law. The principle makes a prediction about cause and effect. It is righteous to keep persons free of coercion so that they can maximize their own happiness and expand harmony with others and increase their personal prosperity. It is the spirit underlying the Hong Konger approach that you'll see in this movie. Now, perhaps one of the ways we owe freedom our lives is to say that we owe everyone the ability to pursue happiness as they see it, something we talk about all the time here on Grace Archie. Sure, the Chinese approach is more extreme than most of us are used to, but the communist approach, if we're really honest about it, is a byword of government. The communist approach basically says, we know better. We are the experts. They pretend they figured out how to defy the principle of human respect. They claim that they can even increase harmony by silencing misinformation and dissent. And they brag that they can remove risk and alleviate suffering, but it will require obedience. And happiness? What, are you trying to be selfish? Perhaps another way we owe freedom our lives is to look at this alternative and ask, which do we want for our children and their children? Now, Hong Konger has won the Best Feature Film Award at the Anthem Film Festival. It's been out on the film circuit for the last year, and now it's coming to streaming services. And we want to so much encourage you to watch this and get interested in this story and share it with others so that you too can repay freedom. We want to get the word out so that we can not, get, not just get Jimmy Lies out and, and tell his story, but to get help out Hong Kong and even to get out to the wider world the idea that if the violation of human respect that the Chinese Communist Party represents is a bad idea. If you watch this film, if you share this film, that's one way you can respect Jimmy and repay freedom.